What up, motherfuckers? It's your host with the most, being Katie. You're tuned to Jam Planet Podcast. This is season three, episode five. We're going to be reviewing Eclipse's Oh, Have No Fear, which is their second album. With me, I have my co-host with the most, Westside Jordan. What's up? Without further ado, let's get into the Eclipse's history. So the Eclipse is a duo composed of Pusha T and Ob Malice, and they're a group from Virginia Beach, Virginia. And they grew up in the Bronx, but moved to Virginia Beach in 1979. And they were exposed to the drug trade and they became, they began selling drugs. And Malice started off as a solo rapper and formed the group Jarvis, where he was introduced to Pharrell. Pharrell and Malice started having like a relationship together, not like a gay relationship, but just like a, <laughs> a work relationship. And so, yeah, push your team. <laughs> okay. So yeah, Pusha T, <laughs> Pusha T wrote his like rap and performed it in front of Pharrell and O'Malley and they were impressed. They wanted him to join the group and Pharrell called the, the group the Clips. Around 1992, Malice joined the army to provide for his family. And he came back from the army and in 1994, Malice and Pusha T began working together again and Pharrell got them a deal at Elektra in 1996. And the Neptunes handled the production with Chad Hugo and Pharrell, and they released their debut album called Exclusive Audio Footage. The first single on the album was The Funeral. Sadly, The Funeral didn't make the charts, and as a result, Exclusive Audio Footage was shelved. So kind of the same issue of Cormega's The Testament. So think of that. And yeah. So Electra kicked them out the... The group, not the group, but the record company due to it not selling well. And there are promotional CDs of the album, exclusive, exclusive audio footage that are still out there in like the interwebs and stuff. So I might put a link in the description below if I can find it. I, I didn't get it personally and get to listen to it. So in early 2001, Pharrell signed the clips to Artesia Records through the Star Trek imprint, which was like Pharrell's like record company. And during this time, they recorded material for their debut album, which was Lord Willing. Their first single on the album is Grinding, which is like their most popular song. And this dropped in May of May 14th, 2002, and it was an overnight success. It peaked at top 30 on Billboard Hot 100. Their second single was released, which was When the Last Time, which was dropped in July 30th, the same year. And it charted at number 19 for Billboard Hot 100. They released Lord Willing in August 2000, no, August 20th, 2002. And the album was a uh, number one on Billboard's top R&B hip hop albums and number four on Billboard 200. And the album went certified gold on October 1st. And they released their third single on December 13th featuring Faith Evans, which is called Ma. I don't love her, which was a modest hit. It didn't do as good as like the previous two hits. And the clips would make some guest appearances. They appeared on tracks for Justin Bieber, which was Justin Bieber, not Justin Bieber, but Justin Timberlake's Like I Love You and Birdman's What Happened to the Boy and Navia's Run Away, I Want to Be With You. And during the late 2003s, clips started recording their material for their second album, Hell Half No Fury. And this album was paused in 2004 due to Artesia. Artists were absorbed by their sister imprint label, which was Jive Records. And due to this merger between 
Sony Music Entertainment and BMG. So th that was the result of it. And the clips were forced to stay on Jive. Star Trek moved to Interscope Records. And they continued working on their second album during this time. And they had issues with Jive because Jive was, wanted to focus more on like pop artists in their roster rather than like hip hop artists. So this issue caused delays in the Hell Half No Fury album release. And the Cliffs wanted to be released from the label, but Jive refused to. And as a result, they sued them. And there was like a court hearing for like a year or so. And during this lawsuit, the group released mixtape series who got it for cheap, Volume 1, Volume 2, which were released in 2004 and 2005 under the Re-Up Gang group. And they garnered wide widespread widespread critical acclaim from the critics and on may 2006 no may 9th 2006 they released they reached an agreement and they released their second album through re-up records label along with jive and the clips dropped their first single for the album which was mr me too for their second album like i said and the album was pushed to october 34th and when it came around time for October 31st, instead of dropping their album, they released their second single, which was Wamp Wamp, What They Do, What It Do, featuring Slim Thug. And finally, in 2006, of November 28th, they released their second album, Hell Half No Fury. So the producers on the album are just the Neptunes. And the guest appearances are Pharrell Williams, Slim Thug, Abeliva, who is part of the Reup Gang. And Reup Gang, Roscoe P, Cold Chain, and I think it's by Lau. I could be wrong though. And their singles are Mr. Me Too and Wamp Wamp, What It Do. So let's get to the track listing. So the first track on here is We Got It For Treat intro. And this is a dope ass song. And I love the heavy use of the organ beat. And my favorite lyrics are, I'm more in touch with the keys. Move over Alicia, I force feed your, your metric scale. Raps like Child's Play, My Show, and Tell. Now it's from Pusha T. So for me, I, I thought that the song overall was pretty good. Um, I would like to eat. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> We're all fucking up tonight, man. <laughs> Dude, uh, had, uh, had something in my throat. Pause. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing uh, just uh, drink some water a little too fast all right don't don't judge me um uh so that's a good beat with a good piano riff um also a really good flow uh and good lyricism but one thing i really could have done without is like that like the talking the talk the, the the dude uh yeah that guy who talks over it i could have done without him uh i find him kind of like kind of like a racist caricature so, yeah, uh, he's not my favorite uh, sound to it. Yeah, I didn't care for it. I, I forget the dude's name, but he's irrelevant. <laughs> Let's just leave yeah, it. and like he never shows up again throughout the rest of the album, so I have no idea what he was doing on there. Yeah, what I hate is when rappers like are rapping, and then they put like a short skit in like the middle of the song, and it kind of brings the quality of the the song down yeah yeah why would you put it in the middle of the song yeah at least put it at the beginning or the end not the middle um so that was definitely that's like one gripe i have with the song the song is dope i like the production on here and definitely push a t and no malice is the lyricism yeah 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 that part's good it's just that that's the one element i don't like on this song i agree 
So we get to track number two, which is Mama, I'm So Sorry. And I love this song. I de- this is definitely my top five. What I got for this song is how like he's asking forgiveness for his mom for selling drugs and how kids look up to drug dealers, lifestyle and all that. And my favorite lyrics are roosters in the duffel, keep the hood screaming cock-a-doodle-doo motherfuckers. I philosophize about glocks and keys. Niggas call me young black Socrates. It's the P, the evil creeper. Send some to the Grim Reaper. Meanwhile, me and my missus like Solomon and Sheba. And that was from Pusha T. Alright, so for me, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of this song. Um, I don't really like. <laughs> I don't really like the beat. It has like a weird like French sound to it. Um, not really my thing. Uh, I find the chorus a little repetitive. Um, but I will say a good thing about the song is that the lyricism is really good. Um, which I mean. Is it's to be pretty much expected. It's a Pusha T album, so the lyricism is pretty good. But other than that, it's not really one of my favorite songs. Okay, fair enough. It makes me sad. But well, we get to <laughs> track number three, which is Mr. Me Too featuring Pharrell Williams. And this is a braggadocial song talking about how people try to bite their dressing style and how drug dealing buys them expensive clothes. It's like a flossing song, and I love the banging beat. It has... By Bang and Beat by the Neptunes. It has like a club kind of vibe to it. My favorite lyrics are We clown hoppers, tailored suits, like we mobsters break down keys into dimes and sell them like gobstoppers. And that was from Malice. Now he goes by no malice since he converted to God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this song, I, I really like this song. I really like the beat. Um, I really like, <coughs> fuck. Uh, I really like you the lyricism and the, <laughs> and the message. Uh, it's kind of like, it seems like it's kind of like about like someone who like always like ones up people all the time. And, um, and it's like, I also find how like Malice and Pusha T, like it's really smooth how like they switch off between each other on this song. So this was another really strong track. Um, yeah, so sorry about my voice. We recorded another episode before this, and so now it's all it's all messed up. Yeah, <laughs> I have a sore throat. <laughs> so yeah, my voice sounds a lot more raspy than it actually does. But yeah, and I definitely like the hook by Pharrell Williams that he provides. And we get to track number four, which is "Wamp Wamp What It Do," featuring Slim Thug. And I just love the beat. It has like a Caribbean island vibe to it. And it's another dope song. And this did make my top five. And I like how Pusha T, I like Pusha T's like rhyming style on like the first verse and how he, he ends, he ends like, I don't know how to describe it, but basically he just ends, ends it with the same sound. If that makes sense. I don't know how to go into deep with it, but pause. <laughs> but my favorite lyrics are Pusha T from Pusha T, Pusha Still got them keys. I can unlock you. See that watch on the sleeve. Call it showstopper. Niggas ball around the world. Call me a globetrotter. Trick dollar. Ask what I feel. Nada. Give a bitch yellow fever. All these gold bottles. So yeah, what I said was basically is just rhyming style. And how it uses like words like uh and er and how they end with that. So for me, this was also not one of my favorite songs on the Jesus, album. Bro. Um, I don't really like the beat. Uh, it has like a weird like, I don't know. I just I just don't really like the sound to the beat. 
Um, I find the chorus kind of repetitive. Um, and yeah, and their flow is also not one of my favorites on this album. So, uh, yeah, this is also not, this is also not one of my favorite songs. Damn, um, I like how we have diverse opinions already. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, yeah, so, um, yeah, that's just my opinion. This is definitely not one of my favorite songs on the album. Okay, fair enough. So we get to track number five, which is Ride Around Shining featuring Abliba, who's from the Reup Gang. And what I got from the song is just like riding around in exotic cars. And the Neptunes kills this beat. This is easily my top five. My favorite lyrics are fucking with college bitches with innocent looks like Maya, corrupt the mind, turn them to liars. And I believe that was from Pusha T's, if I'm correct. All right. So how so about you? For me, I really like the beat on this track. This track has a really good beat. Um, and the chorus is a lot better on this one compared to other songs that we talked about. Um, and I feel like everybody really delivers on this track. Um, none of the, none of the rappers really kill the vibe on the track. Um, so yeah, this was, this was one of my favorite songs on the album. I believe it made it in my top five. Uh, so yeah, this is definitely a really good song on the album. Finally, something we can agree on. <laughs> <laughs> About time. So we get to track number six, which is Dirty Money. This is talking about just spending like illegally money that they obtained illegally, and I do not like the song. I think it's okay. I wasn't crazy about the beat, and it's definitely one of the weakest songs on here. I also don't like the chorus as well. Oh man, I'm gonna have to disagree. I felt that this was a really good song. Um, if I had to say one gripe about it is that it definitely has not aged very well. Mm -hmm. um, but for 2006, I feel like it was a pretty good 2006 song. Um, and I think it has a very interesting, like, kind of commentary in it about how, like, it kind of explains as to why a lot of people would want to go into, like, selling drugs because it's, it's an easy way to get a lot of money very easily and you can get easily trapped into that kind of lifestyle. So I thought that that was an interesting point in the song. So for me, I actually really liked the song. I thought the song was a pretty strong track. Okay. Opposing opinions already. <laughs> so we get to track number seven, which is Hello no Young World. I can't talk. Hello New World. I was getting confused with a Slick Rick song <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> so what I got from the song is how Push It and Malice want people to come together so that everyone can get money. And it's a good song, but it's not touching like the first five songs that are on the album. And the Pharrell hook is solid for me. My favorite lyrics are... The news called it crack. I called it Diet Coke, and that was from Pusha T. So for me, I feel like everything is relatively good with the track. I really like the beat to it. It gives off like a really, uh, like it kind of like sounds like a like a Miami night kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, just kind of I don't know. It gives off that kind of like not like party club Miami night, like you know, like Miami <laughs> like selling drugs type of night. Um. But my one like serious gripe about this song is the chorus. Um, I really don't like the chorus. I really don't like the voice on the chorus. It's a little like the the voice on the chorus just sounds really weak. I have no idea why it's even like that. Um, yeah, this is so the chorus for me really brought the track down. It would have been in my top five had the chorus been better. But yeah, for me the chorus was just really weak. And, um, but other than that, I feel like, like, the lyricism was there, the beat was there, but 
It just couldn't really deliver on the chorus for me. Yeah. I definitely agree. The weakest part is the chorus. And I believe I was talking to Mo Luster yesterday, and he said that I think this song was on his top five. I could be wrong. So, yeah, we get to track number eight, which is Keys Open Doors. It's just telling how, like, selling cocaine opens opportunities. Keys being cocaine, open doors, like, you know, keys. And this is another dope song. I, I love the haunting beat. And my favorite lyrics are Money's The Leash. Drag your bitch by her call, her dog collar, and that's from Pushing Teeth. So I listened to this track even when I saw the title. I immediately knew what it was going to be about. Yeah. Because um, obviously, cause I had been listening to the whole album, so I mean, they've are, they obviously are talking a lot about drugs, so keys, kilos. Um, so I obviously it was kind of the core. the 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 title of this track definitely gives away what it's about. Um, I feel like on this track, like the flows are really good, the beats really good, but once again, the chorus is really weak. It's really repetitive. Um, so that that kind of brought the score of this song down, just because the chorus was just really just it just lacked. For me, I just feel like the chorus lacked a lot of creativity. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so that definitely brought the score of the track down. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely be talking about the courses and my overall thoughts on the album. I already know that. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to Ancha featuring Re-Up Gang, which is track number nine. We're almost done. Nine out of 12. And what I got from the song is how it's making fun of like, it's calling out fake drug dealers. And I wasn't too crazy about the song. It's okay. My favorite lyrics are 86 carats. You know how much digging in the planet this could take. Patient leather babes. Closet like Planet of the Bape, Money See, Monkeys, Monkey See, Monkey Do, Monkeys Follow in Place, like I'm Living in the Episode of Planet of the Apes, that was from Pusha T. I'm in an era of Juice Crew, Don't Let the Dookie Noose You, One one and One is Two, it's like just simple as Blues Crews. I know I fucked it up, but that's Malice. That's from No Malice. <laughs> Yeah, for me, I feel like the chorus on this track was definitely yeah. much more creative than past tracks. Um, just because it, it wasn't just repeating the same thing over and over again. Um, and I feel like the flows on this song were pretty good. So overall, I thought this track was actually pretty good. It was, it was solid, but I wasn't really crazy about the ancient part. But, you know, mm. is what it is. Yeah. So we get to number 10, which is Trill. And it's just a braggadocial song. I like the song. I know the, the chorus can get annoying after times, but I actually like it, in my opinion. So I've, I, I, I agree with you. I think the chorus is actually pretty good. Uh, yeah. The chorus fits the beat really well. I think the beat is really good. Um, the beat is like one of my favorite parts about this track um, because it has, a, it has a heavier bass to it. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I just once again, the lyricism is really strong. So yeah, the, the, this track, this track was, I think this track, uh, oh no, did not make my top five, but I thought it was a pretty strong track on the album. Um, definitely, it was, it was one of the stronger tracks in my opinion on the yeah. album. Definitely a good song. So we get to Chinese New Year featuring Roscoe P. Cold Chain. Another good song. I like the beat and the chorus, even though it might turn people, some people off with that blah, blah, blah bullshit. But my only gripe is Roscoe P. Cold Chain. I don't really care for his like delivery. Usually the rapper at the end. 
And yeah, he kind of brought the song down, in my opinion. So for me, I did not like the song at all. Um, I could already, I just, I just didn't, um, I just didn't really vibe with the song at all very well. Uh, the chorus for me was just, like you said, it definitely turned me off. Uh, pause. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the chorus for me, it just really was not good. I am, it's just, I don't know what he was trying to go with, but if I have to say a, a positive, the lyricism's good. Um, but everything else on the track just really it didn't, didn't work too much for me. Fair enough. So we get to the last track on here, track number 12, Night Beers featuring, I think it's Bilal or Bilal and Pharrell Williams. And what I got from the song is just like how paranoia of like a drug dealer, how people, he thinks like people will murder him because of his riches and his success. And to be honest, I did not care for the song. And you know, this is not a good way to end the album out for me. And I think Bilal, the singer on this track, really drags the album down for me. I don't care for his like vocal delivery or the beat in general. I'm gonna have to really like strongly disagree with you. This is one of my favorite tracks on the album. Uh, for me, it was a really good change of pace from the rest of the album. Because for me, towards the end, it just a lot of it started sounding really similar. Yeah. So this kind of brought a change of pace for me. Uh, it just brought some more melody because I feel like the album was just lacking melody, and so this brought melody to it. Um, and I actually, I almost have to disagree that I feel like the beat is also really well produced. Um, if I have to say like one gripe about the song is that it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the album. Yeah. But, um. It's like a somber song. Yeah, it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the album. So that, I, I would definitely say that that's not the best thing, but I thought this track was actually really good as a standalone track. I think it's really good. So yeah, that concludes our track listing breakdown for Hell Half No Fury. So what are your closing thoughts on it? So my closing thoughts on the album are that I'll admit it, this is probably not one of my favorite albums I've listened to uh, on the podcast. Um, Sorry, I made you sad. No, 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 it's all good. We can't always listen to stuff we like, so it's actually good exactly. because... Um, it because if we just on the podcast we just keep on talking about oh we love this song we love this song it just gets repetitive as 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 a if, as a listener I just get repetitive you know um so like so I'll I'll start off with the positives of the album um the positives are is that the lyricism is really good uh like the lyricism and just uh you know just their double entendres and just I feel like the lyricism is really creative um some of the beats are pretty good uh but overall the I feel like a lot of the songs kind of mesh together and sound kind of the same. Um, I also feel like Pusha T's flow also throughout the whole album is kind of the same on almost every song. Uh, and the choruses, the choruses, man, they really, for me, did not deliver on these choruses. They mostly said the, the, the song title, you could almost predict the song title was going to be in the chorus. Which I understand sometimes you gotta do that, but I don't know. Sometimes it comes a point where you need to kind of switch it up a little bit and have the title be just its own thing, but don't say the title in the song sometimes. Um, but they just every, almost, I feel like in almost every song they said the title of the track. Um, 
I could see why this album could be like liked. It definitely has its own sound to it, but um, it's definitely not my thing. Um, so and then I guess I'll talk about my top five tracks. My top five tracks is Ancha. Four is Riding Around Shining. Three is Dirty Money. Two is Mr. Me Too. And number one is Nightmares. So for me, like, so if I had to say, like, I'd probably say Nightmares, Mr. Me Too, and Dirty Money are, like, the truly, really good songs on this album. Um, like, songs I could go back to and listen to again. Um, and then if I have to give a rating out of 10, I would give it, like, a 7 out of 10. Okay. Um, and as for Buy or Burn, uh, I don't think I've ever said Burn an Album, just because I think it's, I think that's pretty harsh. It, the album would have to be pretty, pretty bad. So, uh, I would definitely say just stream it first, see how you feel, see how you, um, see how you feel about the album first before you, uh, before you buy it. Um, because I think this is definitely an acquired taste type of album. Yeah. I would say, like, production-wise. Yeah. Because it might... I feel like you might like their first album better, Hell Half No Fury. Not Hell Half No Fury, but uh, Lord Willing. You might like it better because it's more like a traditional Neptune sound compared to this. That, that was more experimental. All right. so I'll oh, definitely, okay, all right. Yeah, you might that, like that a lot more better, in my opinion. All right, so, yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, Definitely. And for my closing thoughts, I would say Hell Half No Fury is Eclipse's magnum opus. And they definitely stepped up their production and lyricism from their previous al- album, Lord Willing. And I would say this is in my top five hip-hop albums of the year 19. Not 19, but it's 2006. Fuck, man. I'm so fucking sick. Uh, and the production is very diverse. And it's some of the Neptune's best work. And I love the subject matter. Just talking about drug dealing and just different aspects of it. And somehow it never gets stale because they always find new ways to incorporate that. And I hate to dick ride Pusha T, but I definitely think Pusha T did outshine No Malice. He brought more of charisma and wittiness to the lyricism. That's no slouch on uh, No Malice, but No Malice was just more serious for me. But I, I still like him, though. And I can see definitely why Pusha T is in people's top 25 rappers of all time, whatever. And I love Pusha T's delivery and his ad-libs and his witty lyricism and just the punchlines there's a lot of them here and this is probably in my top 10 drug rap albums of all time and my only gripes are same with yours is the hooks and chorus i feel like they they could have been a little um a little more interesting i know pharrell's not the best at coming up with hooks in my opinion i know that might like piss some people off but i i really think he's not the best like hook person out there and some of the beats were, I didn't really care for. And my, my last gripe is it's really hard to tell the difference between Pusha T and Malice because they sound so similar. The only way I know this, it's like a different rapper is I have to look at Genius. <laughs> and I remember that Pusha T is more of the funny and witty one. So that kind of gives it away. So yeah, I think it start, it had a strong beginning, but the end was kind of piss poor just to close the track, in my opinion. And I'll give Hell Half No Fury by the clips 8.5 P-Noids out of 10. I know I, I got it from like a shitty song, which is Nightmares. <laughs> uh, so my top five favorite songs on here, number five is Mr. Me Too. Number four is Want Weren't What It Do. Number three is Keys Open Doors. 
Number two is Ride Around Shiny. And number one is Mama, I'm So Sorry. So a list that's going to piss off Westside Jordan. Would I buy a burn the album? I'd definitely buy it. So yeah, those are our opinions on How Half No Fear by the Clips. You have a, um, what's it called? Goddamn, what do you call it? The hot thing take? that you do that then. Yeah, the hot take. I uh, so my hot <laughs> take is on, uh, obviously, a big topic of discussion in this episode was the choruses. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's kind of a generic question, but I guess it's good to get people's opinion. How important do you think a chorus is for a song? That's a good question. Like I said in the Stillmatic, I think I said in Stillmatic, sometimes chorus may make or break the song. It might bring like a really good song down to a good level or a good song into, you know, vice versa. So I really think choruses are underrated because there are some good songs out there that have really shitty choruses. But the lyricism has lyricism and beat have to make up for the chorus being lackluster, in my opinion. So I really think it depends on the artist and how bad the chorus is or how bad the lyricism is. So if the lyricism is bad and the chorus is bad, then the song is going to be a no-go for me. If the chorus is kind of shitty or kind of suspect, in my opinion, but the lyrics are really good in the beat, then the beat and the lyrics are really going to... I carry it, and I'm just going to block the fucking chorus from my ears. So, yeah. <laughs> well, for me, I feel like... I definitely feel like the chorus is very important to a song. Um, yeah. Because, here's the thing. So, a couple of things. One thing I've, like, definitely read about a chorus, I think everybody kind of knows about a chorus, is that choruses, they're supposed to sum up the whole song for you. Yeah. And um, so, if a chorus is bad, that could be a sign of uh, a bad I don't want to say a bad song because like you said there are some good songs with a bad chorus but it typically yeah. is a sign of a bad song um, also another thing about a chorus if a chorus is bad it, you're going to run into a serious problem in the, sense that the chorus is one, is one of the only parts of a song that is repeated um, I agree especially if you so started if, off as a first thing instead of the yes, lyrics yeah. exactly and so it's gonna be it's gonna be something that the listener is going to hear multiple times. Uh, I'm not I, I'm not, I don't make music, so I can't really like judge people for. I mean, I guess the whole entire point of this podcast is to judge music, but um, <laughs> critical. I <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're good, like for choruses, you need to make sure that your choruses, your chorus is one of the strongest parts of your song. Because that's the part that's going to be, it's one of the parts that's going to be repeated. And so if the chorus is not good, the listener is going to hear it immediately. It's, it's going to be, it's going to, cause the chorus is something that everybody, it's the, the chorus should be the thing that people remember in the track, along with, of course, certain really good punchlines in the track. But the chorus should really be that the thing, it should be the, it should, the beat and the chorus really should be the best part of your track. Not the, I don't want to say the best part, but it should be one of the first things you think of uh, when you're making a song because um, if one of those two things is bad, you've, you've run into a serious problem, in my opinion, for it to be a good song. So the beat um, and the chorus really need to be uh, on point in order for, for me, in my opinion, to have to even begin for me to think about it being a good song. Yeah, I agree. And especially we talked about it and I, I think I talked about it. I'm not sure if you did when we did Stillmatic, I talked about how 
the songs were really good, but the chorus, Nas always has trouble with the choruses. So I think that, like, like I said, it brings down the quality of the song. In some some instances, you're better off without a chorus. Just, I know it's going to be kind of awkward, but artists can find a creative way to get past like the awkwardness of not having a chorus. Because there's some like really good songs that don't have choruses. I can't really think of them right now, but I'm pretty sure there are some that are out there that I listen yeah. to. Yeah, I most definitely have to agree with you on that. That there are like there are definitely songs that that don't have a chorus, but they're still really great. So I guess I should reword it in order for me to, if you're going to put a chorus in, yeah, you need to make sure that the chorus is really good. Um, and I guess now that I think about it, cause we were talking about, uh, there's a list of artists in my head that I think of that kind of struggle with, uh, choruses. Eminem and and a lot of them, and a lot of them are really good lyricists. And so, um, now that I think about it, I wonder if these like really good lyricists are not the best at choruses because Choruses are not are not supposed to be the most complex part of a song. It's supposed to be almost be one of the more it's just, it's supposed to be one of the more easily digestible parts of the track. And because these guys are great lyricists like Nas and Pusha T, it goes over the head. Great. It it they try to make the chorus too complicated, mm-hmm. or they just don't know what to do, and they just oversimplify it like on this track because they're just mainly focusing on the the verses so that's almost like it's almost like the chorus is not is not really given a second thought uh when in reality you really need to give those choruses a second thought because like i said those are the things that are gonna get repeated on the track and so if if there's a problem with the chorus you're gonna have a serious problem with the track yeah i agree too especially these artists that are horrendous singers and they sing on the chorus that definitely brings down the quality of it oh yeah most definitely like i think you should have you should have r&b people sing it or you should have like nate i know nate dog is dead but someone of nate dog's caliber do the chorus for you because that's always going to bring a song up especially if, if you have yeah. someone of nate dog's caliber or nate dog because he always makes a song he can always turn like a really bad song into a good song just because of his presence it's like vocal delivery it's all about like vocal delivery and how you deliver the choruses if you're just like singing like whining you have a shitty singing voice then your audience is gonna look at you and be like dude what the fuck are you doing man just hire someone to do it man it's not trying to do everything i feel like the problem is that artists try to do too much at one time like just stick to what you're good at if you're good at lyrics do lyrics if you're good at coming up courses do courses if you're good at beat making uh make beats you know what i mean don't try to do too much that you can i know they try to experiment but you're gonna have to have someone in the corner that tells you man you're you suck ass at doing this you know <laughs> i think they just need that yeah. they need to ha- stop having yes men in the industry and just have people that are gonna be brutally honest with you especially critics or friends that are critics i know no one wants to be told their product is shit but sometimes you do that way it prevents your fans from hearing that shit and then telling you that instead of like your actual friends yeah yeah, I both definitely have to agree. Um, yeah, you know, just once again, like the cor- another way that I feel like a lot of artists could improve. If you're not that great at writing a chorus or performing a chorus, one th- another idea that you could do is have a really good sample. If you can get a really good sample behind you and almost use oh, that's that as like the DJ chorus, Premier, uh huh, yeah. If you can do that, or like sometimes Kanye will do that, um, man, you could, 
you can almost you don't even have to write lyrics for it. Um, exactly. You have you have a producer who pre-made a really good. They use they create a they they manipulate the sample to make a really good chorus. So that way, if you're not that great of a chorus writer, you have this ready to go um, on the beat already. Um, so that way, you know your artists, your 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 fans, they're gonna hear that and they're gonna be like, all right, yeah. That's a good chorus. It may be a sample that people have heard a lot, but, you know, you, so therefore these artists can focus on what they're truly good at, like lyrics or, you know, whatever they're really good at. So therefore, um, and so therefore also it prevents a crappy chorus from, from with like crappy lyrics or just overly complicated, um, choruses. Cause that's also another problem that I feel like a lot of artists have is overly complicated choruses. It's too it's long like, pause. Should be like super <laughs> short. Be point. Yeah, pause. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's too wordy. It's too many words. It's almost like another verse again. Uh, you don't want that in a chorus. A chorus needs to be uh, simple. Uh, no, I don't. I don't want to say simple, but um, straight it needs to, to be. Point. Yeah, straight to the point. It needs to be digestible for the audience. Pause. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's my thoughts on that. A lot of pause-worthy moments tonight. Oh, and yeah. I also think we should get, like, you can always have songwriters that write it. I mean, they don't have to ghostwrite your verses, but they can help you with the chorus. Yeah. Or, like, executive producer or a producer. Like, get someone like Kanye West, who's known for chopping up soul samples and making a chorus out of it. Or DJ Premier, who's known for scratching different records together and making a chorus. So you can always get people like that. If you're on a shoestring budget, just have a friend that knows shit about music theory. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, all right. Uh, I got that. I got my thoughts out. Yeah, I did too. So, this concludes season three, episode five. We just reviewed Hell Half No Fury by The Clips. And next time you see us, we're going to be doing season three, episode six, favorite albums from each year in the 1990s. So, we'll catch you on the flip side. Take it easy. Right, see you guys later.